Hello, I'm Marcus Rilton, and this is the Scots Care Podcast. Scots Care is the only charity dedicated to helping disadvantaged Scots in London through a range of support, including mental health therapy, financial grants, advocacy, sheltered housing for older Scots, job coaching, social events, befriending, and support for children and families. The charity has been running for 400 years to help break the cycle of poverty experienced by some Scots in London. In this series of the Scots Care podcast, I'll be chatting to celebrities and supporters of the charity that have forged a life often away from Scotland and about the ups and downs that can bring. Joining me for a chat today is Paisley lad and professional para table tennis player Martin Perry. For the last four years, he has been ranked in the top 25 in the world. He's been the US Open champion, twice the British champion and twice European team champion. He's also won 50 international medals representing Great Britain. However, the thing to note is that Martin Perry's point of difference is that he has no hands and only one leg. Scots Care. Supporting Scots away from home in London. Hi, Martin. Hi, Marcus. Thanks for doing this. No, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the chat. Well, we're meant to do it this morning, weren't we? But um, you had to go and get your hair done. Yeah, all, all, uh, all one of them that was on top of my head this morning, I had to go and get it trimmed. Well, see, uh, you, you've now got the full, full shaved head look, which you, and I think you really suit it. But thank I don't you. Think, I think I'd look like some kind of hairy billiard ball. But was there a point where you just said, because I've seen, I've seen photos of you playing table tennis with, with hair. And was there a yeah. point where you said, right, it's coming off now? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, if you if you go if you can find photos even further back when I was a child, I had a really bad receding hairline. Um, I was not follically blessed whatsoever. Um, so you know, if, I, I've always had terrible, terrible hair. Uh, to be honest, and yeah, of course, I kept it for as long as I could. But I took the plunge at the ripe old age of twenty one, and that's when I started, you know, deciding to to shave my head and and went down that route and, and and I like it you know as you said I think I, I think I look better with a shaved head um but yeah. I have to have the beard otherwise I just look like a thumb <laughs> well you suit it and I, I there's a place in my where we live just outside London there's a place at the bottom of my road there's a there's a Turkish barbers and I always go there and my wife goes oh they cut it too short they cut it too short but you know for 20 quid They'll cut my hair and they do the thing where they flame your ears. Have you ever had that done? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the barber that I went to for, for years and years when I lived back home in Paisley uh, was a Moroccan barber and, and he did the same. He flamed your ears. And the first time he did it, I got such a fright. I, I thought he was going to attack me or something because he came at me with this big flaming stick and started waving it at my face. And then lo and behold, I had silky smooth ears after that. But I was a bit upset because I didn't realise I had hair ears until that point. So... Yeah. that's the moment of reality when they say would you like your eyebrows done sir and you go oh cripes there really is a, I'm a, yeah got these big hairy eyebrows yeah no I, it's the kind of burning smell that kind of puts me off but the result's great <laughs> <laughs> but let, let's can I, let me ask you first of all how does how does table tennis work is it like football do you have a season and an off season um well for us, uh, we have the ability to basically play all year round. Um, but of course, you know, you prioritise a season as such. Um, so usually the para season, as it were, usually kicks off in March. Um, it's usually the Italian Open. Obviously, that varies sometimes, you know, year on year and, um, you know, different different 
tournaments sometimes open the calendar, but it tends to be uh, March for us as the Italian Open. And that runs all the way through until about December time. But, you know, there's always able-bodied tournaments that we can we can compete in. As para-athletes, we have that privilege that we can play able-bodied and para. Yeah. Um, you know, so if I wanted to, I could be playing all year round. But, you know, that causes burnout and, and things like that. So we try and go from, like, March until around about sort of September, October time. Uh, this this season it's a little bit later because we've got the World Championships in November. Uh, they're usually a little bit earlier in the year. Um, so so we started off a little bit later this year and sort of started main competing in May this year with the Slovenian Open. Um, and that gives us sort of, you know, that sort of six, seven, eight month window of competing. And then we get a few months off to have pre-season and, you know, work on a lot of fitness stuff and footwork. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess it's yes and no. We do have a season and, and we don't because as I said, you know, we get that privilege of being able to play able-bodied competitions as well as para events. Yeah. Do you like your downtime? Do you do you get to like in a normal year into December and think I, I just want to put the bat down? I like my downtime for for like a brief period and then I get really, really bored and antsy and I just want to go and do something. So my wife hates it because she can see it coming. Like as the days go on, I've not trained or went to the gym or, or something like that. She's like, you're ready to explode. And I'm like, yeah, I just got so much energy that I, you know, I want to go train. I want to go to the gym. And I suppose the gym's the easy one because, you know, I, I can do that as leisure as well as my job. Um, but obviously training, it's um, it's sometimes really difficult for me to say no to someone that asks me if I want to train, you know, so this week, um just just previous was was really difficult for me because I really wanted to train but I actually injured my back and I wasn't able to train for like seven eight days um I only got back into training sort of last night and and that was really difficult for me because I felt like it had been taken out of my control yeah but, uh, but I was of course so eager to play and I couldn't do it you know so downtime for me uh doesn't come very easy because I just I just want to keep going I suppose you've got to be disciplined, haven't you? I mean, as a professional athlete, you can't say, oh, do you know what? I'll just go and do a little bit of training. If you've hurt your back or hurt another part or hurt your shoulder or something, you've got to make sure you let it recover. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and that's the thing, you know, as, as a professional athlete, you're always told, you know, you can do more, you can push through, you can, you can go on and achieve all these things um, because, you know, you can draw inspiration from other athletes who will say the exact same, you know, I didn't stop training. I trained, 24-7, I did this, I did that. And it's like, but the reality is that they, they didn't and, and you don't. You know, it's it's very difficult to to say no to training at times, you know. But as you said, if you've got an injury like I did last week, um, you know, I, I had to say no because otherwise it would have been so detrimental to the rest of this season for me. You, you mentioned there that you grew up in Paisley, but you're another Scot that has ventured south. Where, where are you based now? Uh, I'm actually in sunny Dumbarton at the moment. Uh, me and my wife have got a flat in Dumbarton, but I was based in Sheffield for uh, just over five years. Uh, that was to train with the um, British Para Table Tennis squad full time. But since since COVID happened, you know, I think a lot of people's lives changed, um, and especially the, their perspective on life. Yeah. So uh, myself and a few other athletes have been spending a lot more time home. Uh, at our local clubs where we sort of first began our table tennis journeys and you know for for various different reasons for family and and things like that and of course uh, table tennis but you know I think um, with with COVID it, it, it changed my perspective on 
on a lot of things and uh, and I wanted to move home and thankfully you know the the team have supported that to no end and they've been great with me and you know don't get me wrong I still have to go down at least one week a month uh, where we do sort of like these camps where the entire squad comes together and we all train as a unit but outside of that you know they they trust me to to train as much as possible back home and to get a good setup back home and uh, that's definitely very different for me you know going from having five years of structured nine to five training um where every minute of every day was mapped out for me um to now obviously having to do all that on my own was was a bit of a bit of a change you know because I, I i wasn't quite used to it you know I, people always say oh you know athletes get spoiled and they get everything for them and they're absolutely right <laughs> we do you know so to go from that structure uh of having as i said like a nine to five setup uh, to now obviously my my training day is is all over the place at the moment just because you know being the only professional scottish table tennis player um you know people people have jobs uh, that i have to now work around their schedule so i train first thing in the morning sometimes and then like last thing at night um and if someone's got you know space during the afternoon i'll go train then as well you know so it's it's definitely a different schedule that's for sure was it so you moved at 2017 and then you got married 2018. So you must have spent a lot of time. You must have a very understanding wife. You must have spent a lot of time shooting back and forward from Sheffield to Dumbarton and, and back again. Yeah. So, you know, Siobhan's absolutely fantastic. She's so understanding of what I do and, and supports it tremendously. Um, for, a, for a little while, um, Siobhan lived in Sheffield with me, but then uh, her job pulled her back home uh, when she was working in Glasgow. So, you know, it was it was difficult, don't get me wrong, you know, because I was training Monday to Friday and then getting in the car and, and, and driving back sort of Friday evening to then come back down to Sheffield on a, on a Sunday. And I was, you know, I was really mentally and physically very tiring. And we did that for about uh, probably the first year and a half of, of, of being married. And then, you know, not long after that, COVID hit. So, um, you know, I... I thankfully obviously you know just about moved up in time because um we got we got like a two-week summer eh, sorry not summer break because it was in it was in march sort of like winter break sort of pre-season thing before it all kicked off properly and we got a break and I, and I went home for those sort of two weeks and um and then covid hit and i've pretty much you know not left in terms of this being my base now back home but yeah those first sort of 18 months of being married was was really, really difficult because for four and a half, five days of the week, we didn't see each other. Um, but maybe that's the key to longevity. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know what? If, if Sometimes I've got friends who live apart, work apart, and they've, they've got great marriages, but, you know, horses for courses, I suppose, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But you're right. I think COVID was a leveler for a lot of us where we kind of realised what was important in our lives and, and what we wanted. And, you know, for a lot of people out there doing jobs, it's not like a lifelong passion. It is just that, oh, saw this for a game of soldiers. I'm, I'm going to change my life. Scots Care. Supporting Scots away from home in London. But can you explain to us what congenital limb loss is and how or why that happens? Um, so congenital limb loss is when you are born um well for, for me actually it's, so congenital limb loss and deformity um so that is you know it happens in the womb before you're born and when you are born there will be you know some birth defects with regards to your limbs so for myself uh, i don't have any hands 
my right arm stops sort of mid forearm, just a little bit shy of, of my wrist. And my left arm stops uh, at my elbow. My left leg uh, currently stops just at my knee joint. Uh, when I was younger, I had a little bit more of a leg, uh, but due to some complications, the lower half of my left leg got removed uh, when I was 10. And my right leg is uh, fully formed. So, you know, one out of four is not bad. I'll take it. But um, yeah, the, for what we could determine, uh, there is no sort of cause or reason behind congenital limb loss and deformity. It's just simply one of those things that happens. Uh, and it just so happens that it happened to me. Um, but to be honest, I, I find myself incredibly lucky, you know, to have been born with no hands on one leg. I find it such a gift because I've not had to go through anything traumatic. You know, I've not had a serious illness or injury or, you know, some form of terrible accident that's resulted in me being, you know, disabled. And, um, you know, for that, I'm, I'm incredibly thankful and grateful for. And it's allowed me to to just grow up and, and live life and learn how to do things my own way, just like anyone else would. You know, and um, I, I don't really feel restricted by my disability at all, to be honest. Everything I read about you is, is very inspiring. And I was showing my kids you playing table tennis. And actually, my Rafe, my nine-year-old, I was showing him there was a bit and um, your, your prosthetic uh, leg, your limb. And he went, oh, is this guy a real Terminator? <laughs> and I went, I've seen him play table tennis. This guy is a Terminator, Rafe. You know, and I love, I love the innocence of kids where... He didn't see a disability in any way. He just went, wow, that is so cool. But was it tough growing up in Paisley? Um, I mean, at times, yeah, of course, you know, there was, there was some bullying and, and, and things like that. But I've always, I don't know why, um, you know, I've always been incredibly resilient. I've always had a sort of can-do attitude and, and it was never really a choice to feel sorry for myself or, or to, you know, let myself get a, get beat up mentally about you know what people were saying or, or or what they were doing towards me um so I don't really know where that sort of mental fortitude has came from I you know I, I guess I owe a lot of it I suppose to my, my family I've got three older brothers um and obviously my parents and you know they for want of a better phrase they didn't really care that I was disabled you know yeah, yeah. they didn't you know they didn't wrap me up in cotton wool and they didn't treat me any different I was just one of the four sons um so you know there was no special treatment there whatsoever and you know now that I think about it I guess that shaped me massively you know it helped me become who I am because I don't see myself as any different um my brothers certainly don't see myself any different and I can assure you Siobhan doesn't treat me any special in my life so you know it's um it's yeah. something that I guess just just being born like this and 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 having to just be this way has has shaped me massively but you know I, I'm actually very very thankful for it and being the youngest as well you know I, I get two boys and I've and who are uh, 13 and 9 and then um, my little girl is is four and she's the youngest and she's the toughest and I wonder you know you know, it's because I think as the youngest you've got to fight for your corner haven't you you've got to you know there's there's two other kids or in your case your case three other brothers all saying yeah. that's mine that's mine give me that you know which your mum must have been driven to distraction oh absolutely you know I, I i don't envy her one bit you know having four boys all grown up in the one household just i mean 
from my memories, is it was it was carnage, you know. So, you know, I, I dread to think what she thinks of it looking back. But yeah, you know, of course, you know, it's for, for young kids. You're gonna have fights and squabbles like all siblings do, but you're gonna have a lot of good times as well, you know. And um, I like we, the fact that you're talking about your brothers involving you in football from right from the get go. Yeah, they did. You know, they 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 tried to use my disability as an advantage. Actually, you know, they 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 used to chuck me in goals, thinking that I wasn't going to save the ball because I didn't have any hands. Um, and that that just made me more determined to prove them wrong. And then I did. So they got fed up, and you know, they they found another way to, I guess, I guess, bully me. But it was uh, <laughs> bully me with love. You know, like uh, yeah. like your brothers do. So, um, but yeah, they tried to obviously use it to their advantage by putting me in goals and. You know, that just made me more determined to show them that I could do it. And I guess, you know, having that input from them, you know, they, they would never have thought about that. They were only a couple of years older than me. They just wanted to score more goals than the other brother, you know. Yeah. Um, but I guess without them even thinking about it, that that gave me such a determined and, and strong-willed attitude that I still carry today. You, you were 17 when you came to table tennis. And was it a light bulb moment for you? Did you actually, when you first picked up a bat, did you think, I could be great at this. Absolutely not. <laughs> I was I was beyond dreadful. I could barely play, let alone barely hold the bat. Um, but I enjoyed it. That's that's the first and foremost that I, that I took away from table tennis. And I yet to find someone who's played table tennis and not enjoyed it. Whether they take it up as a sport or a hobby, that that doesn't matter. But you know, I, I challenge anyone to play table tennis and not have a good time. Um, and that's that's what it was for me. I just had fun. You know, and I, I really enjoyed it. And I found, you know, this this relatively local club, uh, Drum Chapel Table Tennis Club, and I started going along. And yeah, it was just it, it was good fun. But I didn't think it was, you know, going to take over my life and become my job. And then I had the uh, privilege of of going down to watch uh, London twenty twelve, the uh, Paralympic Games, and wow, I was just absolutely blown away and mesmerised that there was people just like me, captivating not only the people of London, but the people of the world and showing them that, you know, disability really isn't a barrier. And from then on, I was like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but I need to get good at this sport because um, I want to be just like those guys. And, you know, I, I, I put my head down. I worked incredibly hard and, and everyone at Drum Chapel Table Tennis Club, they supported me fantastically, you know, um, when I came home from London and, and said that I wanted to be a Paralympian, they could quite easily have just laughed at me and said, well, you're not very good, so just just be quiet and, and go back to playing. But actually, you know, they were so supportive and said, right, let's let's do it. Let's let's do this together. And um, everyone at the club, you know, as I said, just have have continued that support to this day. And, you know, after after being at London within sort of three short years, um, I was living and training alongside the guys that I'd watched take medals um, for Great Britain, you know, and um, I guess that's just a testament to where hard work and dedication can take you. But, you know, now that I've been doing this for for a number of years now, it's, you know, it's something that I want to emulate myself as, you know, is go to the, the Paralympic Games in Paris in 2024 and, and you know, um, hopefully bring back major medals for, for my country. Now, any, any sporting biographies that I've read, the athlete always talks about the fundamental importance of the coach. Is that the same for you? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think like, like any um, sort of positive role modeling figure in your life, someone that's going to instill growth in you is someone that's going to believe in you. 
um, you know, and lean on you when you need to be leaned on and, and told that you're not, you know, pulling your weight, but equally support you when those when those things are going well. Um, you know, so for me, Terry at Drumchapel Table Tennis Club, he was my first coach. Um, and you know, he's he still coaches me to this day. And he's he's been so supportive. You know, it was him that that first sort of got me involved in the game. He he took me to my first tournaments, you know, back when I couldn't um, drive or I'd, I'd stay at the club too late to get public transport home. He'd drive me from Drumchapel to Paisley and then and then go back home himself just because he wanted me to keep playing. And, and you know, that support and and everything that he's done for me is, you know, is, I'm beyond grateful for, you know. And then to obviously move down south to the, to the full-time setup where, you know, you're now working with four or five different coaches at one time and everyone's got their own input. Mm. You know, you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't grow and get better, you know, when you've got, when you've got that many top quality coaches and athletes in the one room, um, you know, you can only improve. Is Terry hard on you? I mean, in a good <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, he can be. Yeah, he can be. Um, thankfully, these days, um, I like to think that I do a little bit more winning than losing. So he's, he's not got too much to moan about. But uh, yeah, he is hard on me simply because he wants the best for me. You know, he yeah. wants me to achieve my 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 goals and my dreams and, and he understands what it means to me. So you know he's he is hard on me when he needs to be, but equally, you know he's 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 incredibly quick to tell me, you know you've done a good job there, and I'm proud of you. So you know that goes a long way as well. I think it is that kind of carrot and stick. You know, I think I've had two or three mentors in my life, and they've been extraordinarily hard on me at times. And I remember when I moved to London, and I got a job as a journalist, and I was working for this guy called Nick Lloyd. I think he was he used to be editor of the Express or something. I can't remember. And he was, he was terrifying, Martin, terrified the life out of me. And I remember he called me into his office and he went, oh, yeah, okay. and he always mumbled, oh, yeah, sit down, sit down, sit down, son. And he said to me, he said, I just want you to know you're better than the last person that did this job. And I went, oh, th thanks, thanks, Nick. He went, but you're still not good enough. <laughs> but, and I was gutted at that point. I was just, oh, my Lord, yeah. But I still look, now that I look back on it, I kind of think the learning curve, was massive and I think sometimes the coaches have got to be so hard on you to bring the best out of what you can be yeah I, I completely agree you know and especially when you take it into a professional setup as an athlete you know you've got to be willing to take criticism almost every day you know especially in a skilled sport you know if, if my coach sees that I'm doing something slightly wrong with my technique or or the ball's not going just quite where I want it on the table um, you know, from an outsider looking in, they can spot that a lot quicker. And and you've got to be able to take that criticism and, and to just, you know, take it on the chin and accept it because ultimately they're telling you what you're doing isn't good enough because they want you to be better, yeah. not because they're trying to hurt you or, or, or belittle you or put you down. Um, because ultimately, you know, within our British parity, within a setup, we consider ourselves as a family, you know, so if one of us, gets better we all get better and if one of us grows we all grow you know so um we we are very open and honest with each other um probably to the point where you know if if, if you were to say the things that we say to each other in any other environment especially a working environment you'd be probably called straight into hr but you know i think as athletes and and you have to have that dynamic with a coach where you know you can you can be told you're not doing a very good job or um you know this has to improve or this has to get better 
but you know I think with a great coach or a great mentor like you said you know that's got to be balanced with with the good stuff and you know the things that you are doing well and and that's what the great coaches can do is is instill that belief in you and still have the ability to to you know make you want to improve and to, and to work with each other. Scott's Care, the charity helping to break the cycle of poverty some Scots find in London. When I've watched you on, on YouTube and other videos, it's a massively physical game. I mean, I know this sounds odd, but there is an aggression to it when I watch you play. And I mean that in a positive way. I mean, you know, it's a non-combat, non-touch non sport, but you're there, you're... Is is that something you need to be? Are you a pumped up player, or are you one of these players that kind of gets into a kind of zen like state before a game? No, I'm definitely more uh, pumped up, and it's it's quite an odd one because, like in everyday life, I I, I think that I'm pretty chill, you know, uh, pretty laid back. Um, but as soon as I get on the table tennis table, um, you know, I've often had folk telling me like, "You're looking at me like you want to hit me," and I'm like, well, "Only a little bit," <laughs> you know. Um, but yeah, I think I think that comes from being so competitive with my brothers growing up, you know, that I always wanted to win. And, and of course, they always wanted to beat me, you know. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, playing sport has come quite naturally to me. And to, yeah, to be to be as competitive as I am, you know, I think definitely suits suits me on the table. But yeah, it's, it's something that I'm so glad you said it's, you know, it's a lot more physical because the amount of folk that just say, oh, you just stand at a table and move your arm about. And it's like, it's, it's actually really tough. <laughs> I was wondering how tough it is on your leg. I mean, on when where the you where the prosthetic joins your actual limb is that does that take a pounding when because you bounce back and forth? Yeah, I mean, I I guess physically it it, it does, but I've I wear like a protective liner on the inside that's like a really nice thick, soft, spongy like silicon gel, yeah, um, and that protects the the stump, the you know the, the limb that's in there, and it, it stops it stops any sort of like vibrations or shock waves coming through. So I actually don't really feel it too much on the left leg. What hurts the most usually is my back because I'm so bloody tall and a table tennis table is quite low. Um, and then obviously you add in that I've got these little short arms, so I need to reach for everything with my back. So of course, um, of course. So yeah, yeah, for me it's 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 a lot of back pain and a lot of back trouble. But you know, I, we have top class physiotherapists and and you know we work with great sports science teams and things like that. So. I get the, the best medication that they can provide, to be honest, is, is usually just a foam roller and a yoga mat. Um, yeah. when, when things get, you know, a bit too painful, you know, we, we can get some proper hands-on treatment and, and make sure that we're fighting fit and ready to go. And you're so focused, Martin, and you're so dedicated. So how, how much did it hurt when you missed out so narrowly on Tokyo, the 2020 Olympics? Um, wow. You know, I... I, I, I never thought I would cry over a sport. Um, I mean, just it's just not it's just not really my my nature. Uh, and then I lost the, I lost in the qualification tournament for Tokyo, and I bawled my eyes out. I I I, I couldn't speak for 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 like well over an hour. I, I didn't know what to say. You know, I, my my wife she was watching the live stream back home and, and she called me and I just I, I just couldn't speak to her like I just had no words um I, I I felt so low at that point you know because everything that I'd been working towards um since 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 London really you know since watching watching the guys play um you know that was like an eight-year journey 
to to the, you know my eyes that were, were solely fixed on it for such a long time. I knew I knew Rio would be too close in 2016, and and then um, you know for 2020, obviously it was it was an eight year journey that because of COVID turned into a nine year journey. And um, yeah, it was one of those things that I even lost it on on like what you would call like an edge ball. You know, so it's when it's when the ball clips the edge of the table, and just because of that, it doesn't bounce. It just yes. you know keeps traveling down, and it's so hard to retrieve and um yeah I was I was absolutely devastated as I said just you know a lot of tears um a lot of anger frustration disappointment um every emotion but but happy and uh yeah it was it was one of those times where I was just like you know what's what's been the point in these last nine years um and then yeah after after a couple of weeks of feeling sorry for myself and Sitting on the couch playing a PlayStation, uh, my wife gave me a good talking to, and, and before I knew it, I was um, back, um, fully focused on on qualifying for for Paris and and this year's World Championships, um, you know, which which are in November, and then, you know, so there's um, there's definitely, a, you know, more to this story. It's not just the fact that I didn't qualify for Tokyo and I just gave up and felt sorry for myself. You know, it's still goals and aspirations there and, and and things to aim for that I, I certainly have my sights firmly set upon. Uh, you, I mean, you're still quite young, aren't you? 27, 28? How long, how long can you go on for? Uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm 28. I'm going on about 40 to look at, but uh, <laughs> the uh, the baldness doesn't doesn't help on that front. But yeah, 28, and I think, you know, I've got at least, at least another six or seven years Um you know, I, I think be, be, being a para-athlete, a lot of the times you can naturally have a slightly longer yeah. uh, career to your sort of run-of-the-mill athletes. Um, and being a lower classification, which I am, which means I'm more severely disabled, um, you can actually usually milk it a little bit longer, um, you know, just because the nature of the game is as physical as, you, as you've witnessed. Um, you know, I'm not putting myself through what, an able-bodied athlete would do simply because I physically can't, um, you know, so their body tends to break down a little bit quicker. And, and when right. it does, it's a little bit harder on the joints. Whereas for myself, my body won't really allow those physical elements to come into it too much because it's something that, you know, I just, I can't do. Uh, so, so, you know, I'm hoping at least another five, six, seven years, maybe a little bit longer, but, it, it all just depends on on you know how my career pans out and you know we never know what's going to happen these days you know and how things change so quickly as we're all aware of now yeah yeah but looking positively we could be looking at another two olympics we could be looking at paris and then 20 paris and then la yeah i mean that would be the thing is there's never a good time to step away you know you look at you've got you've got the paralympics in paris you know france is france is beautiful then you've got the Paralympic Games in 2028 in LA. After that, it's going back to we're going other side of the world, going to Australia. You know, so like, how can you say no to go into these fantastic places all over the world? Um, so there's never a good time to to step down and, and say goodbye. So uh, I really don't know how long I'm going to play for. I guess I guess I'll play for as long as they'll have me. That's my answer well, at the moment. Is, yeah, there might just be a natural feeling that you kind of go, now my time is up. You know, I think. Sometimes it's better if we make the decision rather than the decision is made for us. I think that's my experience in life. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. You know, and, and that's, I guess, when it comes to it, that's probably when when I will step down, you know, when I feel like I'm not at that level anymore. Um, but, 
you know, I hope that doesn't come for for a long time anyway for the foreseeable future. Um, because you know, I, I I love what I do. I think I've got you know one of the best jobs in the world. I get to travel. I get to meet incredible people, see fantastic places. Um, and and I get to all do it whilst having fun, chasing a little white ball around the table with a plank of wood strapped to my hand. So uh, I'm not complaining anytime soon, that's for sure. Martin, that's been great talking to you. Can I, can I just finish from a quote from you, actually? you it's, I read that you said, my name is Martin Perry. I have no hands and one leg, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I think that's brilliant. And it's true. I wouldn't, you know, it's, as, as I said, being... Being disabled and, and and being involved in table tennis has shaped my life so much in ways that I couldn't ever imagine, uh, and and yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't change the way I am. Martin, thank you for joining me today. Scots Care for Scots in London in need of support, financial, practical, or emotional. <laughs>